Good morning. I'm Donna Quinn. And for the next half hour, you'll be listening to Talk of Our Towns. This morning, I am so pleased uh, to have on the phone, uh, on Zoom, actually, um, our, my guest, author, teacher, poet, Marianne Monson, founder and president of the Writers Guild of Astoria. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning. Lovely to see you on the screen. And I'm very excited about what we're going to be talking about today. There are some incredible events coming up in the community. Uh, right now, tickets are actually on sale for Pulitzer Prize winning poet Jericho Brown. Um, that's such a coup to have him come here to the Liberty Theater on Friday, November 5th, something you don't want to miss. So tickets are on sale right now. Uh, on August 18th, there's a reading at ABA with the writer in residence for the Writers Guild. Uh, at Kala on August 20th, you're being interviewed, a writer, writer's interview with Heather Hershey. So we're going to be talking about all of these things. Uh, but before we do, Marianne, please tell the listening audience a bit about yourself. Thanks so much, Donna. Be here with you and be on MUN. Um, so I moved to Astoria four years ago, actually four years ago, almost to the day, um, and uh, moved from Portland. I had spent a couple decades in Portland, actually, after relocating from the east, uh, from further east. But anyway, so yeah, so I've been here for four years and just immediately loved the area, got involved with um, a number of the local creative people and just felt, I felt like I had never really been at home anywhere before I moved to Astoria. It was, it really was a coming home for me. And, um, and as I got into the community a little bit more, I I so uh, admired the work that AVA, Astoria Visual Arts, the 501c3 nonprofit for the visual arts here. Um, I admired the work that they do in the community. And I wanted to see something that was equivalent for, um, for writers. And so that really was my, my motivation. And I started talking to some friends like, what, what about if we started a literary nonprofit? And as Astoria does, when you express a dream, hope, or wish, um, people here just have a wonderful way of picking that up and celebrating it and saying, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> and so, um, so I got such positive feedback that I, I decided to. <laughs> and let's talk a little bit about your books, but but yeah. maybe folks don't know that you have a bachelor's degree in English literature and an MFA in creative writing from Vermont College of Fine Arts. Mm -hmm. So you have uh, quite a good a background in, um, you know, writing and and you have written 11 books for children and adults. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, I had always wanted to be a writer from the really, really young age. I think I was seven when I wrote in my journal that when I grow up, I want to write stories. <laughs> so it was always there um, and was absolutely my number one like dream goal for my life. I started off as an avid journalist. And for a long time, I didn't think of that as quote unquote serious writing, but um, you know, looking back now, it was excellent training as a writer, and um, and a, and a lot of times I was I was writing poetry and stories in those journals. So, 
so that was what I'd always wanted to do. And then I, um, yeah, I sought an education that would support me in that way. After getting my English degree, um, my undergrad, I interned at Beyond Words Publishing in Hillsborough. So that was a really great place to be as an inspiring, an aspiring author. I got to work with lots of writers um, and then develop my sense as an editor. I got hired on there after the internship. And so I worked there for several years as their managing editor. And uh, that they are the ones that published my first book, Finding Fairies, which is um, a book of fairy lore for children. So, yeah, and, and that was my first book written when my son was was really little and um, and I published a few children's books and then really transitioned into writing women's history. And so I write women's history mainly focused on the pioneer era. I write both nonfiction as well as historical fiction. So my nonfiction books include Frontier Grit, which is a book about amazing pioneer women. And then the women of the blue and gray, which is about the women of the Civil War. And my last few books have been historical fiction novels. And my most recent that came out in February, 2020 was, is called Her Quiet Revolution. And it's a novel based on the life of Martha Hughes Cannon, who was the first female state Senator in the US. And she <clears throat> was a frontier doctor as well. So, yeah. There's a lot of research involved when you're writing books with historical information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love Do you the like research. the research? Do you like it. the research? You love it. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I guess I'm, I love to nerd out about <laughs> research. And I have ever since I was a little kid. I, I, um, yeah, I started reading my first historical fiction novel when I was 14. And it was set in France and I'd never been there. So I read all sorts of encyclopedias. This is pre-internet. <laughs> so trying to figure out the plant life and the animal life and the geography and <clears throat> all this stuff. So I have a few more tools at my disposal now. I'm grateful for it. But um, same process, basically. What are the surprising things you discovered in writing these historical books about women who may have been overlooked um, and because, you know, who are more obscure, perhaps, than a lot of other people we hear about on a regular basis? Yeah, I mean, so many things surprised me. That's why I love doing this work is, <clears throat> I think, like most writing, um, it, it's a lot like reading, only slower in that you think you're going one direction and then there's all these twists and turns that, that come up. But, you know, what really struck me with Frontier Grit was it was a collection of 12 different pioneer women and the tenacity that they expressed throughout their lives was remarkable to me. And I was just, I really struck by how relevant it was to modern issues and themes and um, we're still having the same debates. We're still having the same discussions. We as humans are still trying to figure out the same questions. And, um, and women, you know, are still uh, trying to balance, struggling to balance many of the same questions that they've always been struggling to balance. And, um, and so one thing that really struck me with Frontier Grit when I was doing that research was how each of these women meant several of these of these 12 women went through life events that were simply catastrophic that were absolutely um, devastating turned their lives upside down 
And <clears throat> yet that process of breaking down inevitably led each one of them to their life's work and to the mission that they would eventually fulfill. And, and so it was really remarkable uh, to me to see the direct correlation that led from one to the other and this idea that um, oftentimes as things fall apart, they're actually coming together in a new, really profound way that couldn't be anticipated ahead of time. <clears throat> Hello, Mary, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Okay, I'm so sorry. We I lost power. And so I'm not even sure we the the last thing I heard you say, and I don't know what our listeners have heard, and I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. I finished talking about Frontier Grit and the and because you had asked about the insights um yes. that I and what surprised me in the research. So that was what surprised me there. But I would say the main surprise is just how incredibly relevant history is and how uh how we are still struggling with the same challenges, we are asking the same questions as a society, as individuals, as women, because that's my primary um, you know, subject that I write about. <clears throat> so the timelessness of the struggle. Mm -hmm. Exactly, yeah, that these questions just come around and around and around and we do our best to grapple with them and then we leave um you know some of the the um the insights that we gain hopefully we pass those on to the next generation but they return to it, it so it, it really helps feel a sense of context i guess for modern situations i mean i think many of us knew very little about you know the um the 1918 flu epidemic until the most recent pandemic there was all this attention focused back on it and it was so remarkable to go back and look at those accounts and the newspapers, the debates over masks and the debates over vaccines, the debates over, you know, it's just it, these conversations just keep coming back again and again and again. You know, it's, it's nothing new. And that's the benefit of, of studying history and of, of looking at history. And when you decided to form the Writers Guild, let's move yeah. on to that at the moment. Oh, wait, no, let's talk a little bit, though, about the fact that you are going to be interviewed um, as a, by Ed Kala on August 20th. So why don't we talk a little bit about what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Heather Hershey has put together a really exciting event that she does at Kala on the Kala stage. She calls it First Person Authors Talk, and it's once a month. And, um, and I'm honored to be her guest for August. So yeah, I'm thrilled about that. And that's going to happen at Kala on August 20th at what time? Um, it's at, the event starts at 8 p.m. <clears throat> okay. And that's an opportunity for her to be in conversation with you about the writing process, about your projects, and then for the audience to participate, ask questions yeah. about their process, yeah. about all of it. That's like a salon. Yeah, that's really what she modeled it after as like the literary salons of Europe. So uh, okay. a little bit of philosophy, a little bit of, uh, you know, looking at words and why we use words to make meaning and how um, the writing process makes us connect with our humanity. And so, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm really excited to talk with Heather. 
She's well, a, let's talk about the mission of the Writers Guild of Astoria and how people can become members and 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 your mission and what you, you know, the things that you do, the workshops, the writers residency, et cetera. So what is the mission of the Writers Guild? So the Writers Guild's mission is to build a community of writers and then to use the power of those writers working collaboratively together to strengthen the surrounding community through the power of the written word. So, so we really promote all things literary arts, right? So we do creative writing clubs at the local schools. We, um, we bring in writers like Jericho Brown for events like the one that's going to happen in November at the Liberty Theater. We sponsor writers and residencies like the um, Deborah Williamson, who's reading at the AVA gallery space on the 18th. Um, so that that's really our mission is to, um, to promote all things literary within this community. Encourage people who may not think of themselves as being writers to write and offering them tools because especially, I mean, during this very challenging time, which it continues, um, which has created an angst-ridden society, I mean, uh, everywhere. Um, writing can be a very powerful healing tool, a therapeutic way of expressing emotion feeling. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I was a journal writer first and it would take me a number of decades before I would claim that term writer. But in fact, I was always a writer because I was writing. <laughs> So that's, um, you know, it's a term that we can feel like we maybe don't deserve or we can wrestle with. Does that mean you're published? Does it mean, what does it mean? But really at its base, it means you write. So anyone who is, who writes is, is, is technically a writer. Um, yes. Yeah. And there's, and there's value in all types of writing. So there's certainly value in writing that is done for some sort of public communication, you know, artistically. Um, and, and there's certainly value in that, but there's also really great value in writing that is never intended to have an audience except for yourself. So, so we try to really, um, you know, work with and support writers of all experience levels and um, regardless of what their goals are. We have a number of writing workshops coming up in September, actually. I'm doing one on memoir through the Hoffman Center for the Arts, which is a, a kind of a sister literary arts organization further down the coast. Um, and we have a workshop on voice um, and one on storytelling and one on playwriting coming up this fall through the, the guilt. And you can, people can register and check those out at thewritersguild.org. Oh, perfect. Thank you. Yeah. And if you've just tuned in, you're listening to Talk of Our Towns. I'm your host, Donna Quinn. And today I'm talking with Marianne Monson. She is a author, a teacher, a poet. She's the founder and president of the Writers Guild in Astoria. And we've been talking about uh, the Writers Guild and events that are happening right now. Tickets are on sale for Pulitzer Prize winning poet Jericho Brown at the Liberty Theater Friday, November 5th, something really don't want to miss and I want to ask you how did this happen and and it's also tied into the poetry contest that's happening right now so let's talk about Jericho Brown yeah so um so how it happened was I went to Portland Book Festival 
formerly known as Wordstock, for those of us who've been in the area for a while. <laughs> I always call it Wordstock because I just like that word better, <laughs> that name better. Um, but anyway, it, it is technically Portland Book Festival. It sort of grew up, I guess, and got a new name. Um, <clears throat> but I was there and Jericho was there reading because his book, The Tradition, which is the poetry collection that uh, won the Pulitzer Prize, he was there um, <clears throat> reading from that collection. And so I went to a pop-up reading in a gallery space and heard him read. And I just was so uh, like struck by how much I loved him. <laughs> like just one of those presenters. I don't know if you've ever seen, I mean, like Sandra Cisneros, like um, William Stafford, you know, like those kinds of people who are just like so generous and magnetic and just sort of like oozing creativity but also like warmth and kindness and compassion and and I just um went up to him afterwards and said uh have you ever been to Astoria Oregon and he said no I doubt he'd ever never heard of it but he was really really gracious and and I said would you like to go because <laughs> I run a nonprofit, and I just had this like vision of him on the stage at the Liberty and um Anyway, this was, of course, pre-pandemic, and so we planned it and then needed to replan it when things got postponed and changed, as they did for all of us last year. But um, I just really enjoyed connecting with him and just felt like the community would love to have him here. And so I came back and talked to the other board members, and they were really excited, too, and so through a lot of logistics, you know, as always goes into big events like this, then eventually it, it came together and it's really going to happen. So yes. All right. And and where does he live? He lives in Georgia. He's a professor at Emory. Ah, OK. Yeah. And and let's talk about the poetry contest that's happening, because that has a little connection with Jericho Brown. Yeah, yeah, it does. So Lauren Mallet, who's on the board at the Guild, is really spearheading this for us. It's her project, and we're really excited about it. So it's um, to go along with Jericho's collection, you know, the title of which is The Tradition. The theme of the poetry contest is also tradition. So however people want to take that, of course, if you read Jericho's collection, you'll see that he's playing with that word in many ways. So he's looking at positives and negatives of traditions. So there's a lot of different ways that you can take that. The deadline is October 1st. <clears throat> it's open to residents of Clatsop Pacific, Tillamook and Wakayakum County residents. And you can send up to three poems to info at thewritersguild.org. And all of that information is also on the website, thewritersguild.org. Um, but winners will receive $100 gift cards to Lucy's books and the opportunity to read on the stage with Jericho Brown at the Liberty Theater in November. So really exciting opportunity for some of our local poets to be on stage with a world-renowned poet. And um, yeah, we're really, really excited about it. And um, poetry used to mean, uh, well, it, there were parameters. Um, that felt, I think strict for some people, but that's all been, that's all changed. So how would you define poetry? If someone said, well, I write 
ideas and thoughts and little fragments and but but how do I know if it's poetry or not yeah um that's a, that's a really good question I think there are lots of definitions of poetry and certainly it can be uh off-putting to some people who experience you know have worked with been been exposed I guess to like some of the more limiting forms but there's lots of poetic forms and including free verse you know which is like you take all the rules and throw them out the window so I think what defines poetry is really an attention to to meaning and insight and then a close attention to the sounds of language um I don't know that you need to define it much beyond that really that's that is a wonderful description actually i like that very much because there's a freedom in that mm -hmm. and um and i think it, again it's very important to to address the intimidation people feel when they you know like what am i going to call this i'm not sure what this is i just wrote this but it was very heartfelt and it came to me yeah. or whatever and so uh, that's a wonderful thing mm -hmm. The writers, go ahead. I was going to mention Rick's open mic. We've kind of combined our uh, our guild open mics with Rick's op op poetry open mic night, uh, which is the first Tuesday of every month at Winecraft in Astoria. So that's a great place for beginning poets to come and they can listen to other people read their work and, you know, connect with other writers and, and maybe even um, get feedback and collaborate with other writers in the community. It's great you said that. That's just my next question was going to be. Okay, so typically the Writers Guild has monthly meetings, and now you're working with uh, Rick's Open Mic the first Tuesday at Winecraft, so people can do that. They can show up in person, and then you've actually been utilizing Zoom because you know, uh, and that's worked out fairly well. You want to talk a little bit about how Zoom has has worked for yeah. you at the Writers Guild? Yeah, we've been doing the workshops via Zoom, and for now, we we were, are probably going to continue with that for the fall workshops. Certainly, as you know, things continue unfolding with the Delta variant, etc. Um, <clears throat> but also because it allows people from everywhere to to come and join us, and that's actually really nice. So, um, yeah, during during the pandemic, we had um, all of our monthly open mics happening via Zoom. But now that Rick's has started back up, we decided to support them. And so we're currently not doing the Zoom open mics, but we are still doing our workshops via Zoom. And I think it's great, like everything else with this experience of the last year and a half, it's just, there's pros and cons, you know? There's, there's it, we miss the in-person connection and yet it allows, you know, people, more people to participate, so. Right. There's still like a, a forum, a forum yeah. for people to participate, which is so important. I kind of like and, the informality of us all hanging out in our living rooms, to be honest. I feel like it gives me a sense of like people who people are in a different way. I found that I, I enjoyed teaching that way, um, which is, you know, I mean, it's not as good as in person, but I, it sort of helped made me feel like I was bringing my students into my, into my living room. It sounds like the best way for people to learn more about the Writers Guild and the events coming up is to go to the website. Yeah. And uh, and there they will find out more about um, the the writer in residence. So maybe we should just briefly talk about that because there yeah. is a reading. 
Yeah, there's a reading next Wednesday, and that's at the ABA Gallery space, um, and and that's in downtown Astoria, and it's Wednesday, August 18th. And reading will be Deborah Williams. She's a literature professor, and she's working on a novel set in the Middle East where she's been living for a number of years. So she's reading there, and um, and that's in the middle of her residency week up on Willapa Bay in the cottage. So yeah, it's a residency program um, <clears throat> where the recipient basically gets to spend a week writing at that cottage in Willapa Bay. And a shout out to Buzz Bissinger and Lisa Smith because that's their cottage. That's right. Yeah, they are the hosts, the very, very gracious hosts. And um, yep, and they will be there at the reading and reception as well. Excellent. Well, we just have a few minutes left. And again, my apologies for the glitch that happened earlier. There's a storm where I am and I lost power. And so I'm not sure what happened during that period of time. Also, the theme music for the program, we have to find two at some point. <laughs> and uh, so thank you for your patience. But so we just have a few minutes left, Marianne. What other things would you like the listening audience to know either about the writing process or about Writers Guild or the upcoming events? Well, I just hope that people were, will pick up their pens and write. You know, uh, when, the, when February 2020 happened, which was supposed to be about the 100th anniversary of women's suffrage in the US, which is why my novel, Her Quiet Revolution, came out then. Um, you know, nobody is going to remember 2020 as that year. So, anyway, when that happened in February 2020, I, as with my historical background, just thought, oh my gosh, I need to keep a really good journal right now. Like, this is going to be the event that we've lived through. And, like, how, how are we handling this? How are we responding as individuals on as a society? And so, anyway, I just think it's, um, it's a perfect time to pick up your pen and to start writing, uh, to write your own experience imperfectly. It doesn't matter. So just write it. And, and I hope that um, people will join us for one of the upcoming events for the workshops in September for the first person reading at Kala. The events uh, for the info about the Kala event is not on the Writers Guild website. I just want to point out that is um, through Hitfish and Kala and, and brownpapertickets.com. Right. And um, you also have a website, MarianneMonson.com. That's true. I do. Yes. So, um, and then certainly I hope that people will join us in November to welcome Jericho Brown because we're just thrilled and it's such an honor for our community to have him. Oh, and there's a bunch of connecting um, events going on with his exhibit too, it, uh, with his, uh, sorry, with his uh, visit as well. So there's gonna be an exhibit at the Heritage Museum about redlining and exclusionary practices in Oregon. Um, and, uh, and there's also going to be a presentation from Black Oregon Pioneers up at the college. So there's a lot of really exciting things going on um, in connection with Jericho's visit. Oh, thank you so much, Marianne. Thank you for all that, for your vision and for all the hard work to uh, bring about all these events uh, with the Writers Guild and, and what you personally do for the communities. So thank you so much. I honor what you do, so important. Thank and you. I, I hope people will go to the website and buy tickets for Jericho Brown. And uh, and upcoming uh, Tuesday, August 18th, the reading at AVA with the writer in residence, Deborah Williams. Friday, August 20th at Kala with Heather Hershey, Hershey and that is uh, an interview with Marianne. Writing 
saves lives. <laughs> so, notice yeah. public radio. <laughs> yes, and public radio. Thank You're right. You, thank you so much, Marianne, and okay. thank you so much, Nevada, for uh, engineering the program. And uh, apologies again about the the loss of power here during the program. And also, I want to express my gratitude to local talented banjo instructor Michael Brun for his original theme music for this program. So we need to we'll find that and have that hopefully next month. Uh, Talk of Our Towns airs the first Thursday of each month now, and I'm so grateful for all of you who listen, continue to support KMUN Coast Community Radio. Until next month, well, actually, no, every day, let's just take a moment right now to take a very deep healing breath. It is so good for body, mind, and spirit. Let's take that moment together right now. And then with gratitude, let's focus on the things that are going well. There will always be things that aren't going well in our lives. Let's focus on those things that are with gratitude and feeling good and giving ourselves loving and compassionate hugs or a pat on the back. A pat on the back for being uniquely you, for doing the best you can, for being here now in this moment, the only moment that exists, the now moment, on the amazing planet we call Earth. 